Hello and welcome to the The SamD Podcast. I am your host, Sam Dismay Jr. Follow me on Twitter, YouTube, all the other social media good stuff at The SamD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. The podcast is up on all major podcasts and platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Subscribe and rate to the podcast, five stars, nothing less. Tell a friend and drop a review if you'd be so kindly. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up TheSamD.com. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. We're going to do one of the most boring things you could do on the pod, but we're going to do it in my way. And I think it's a quote that's worthy of it. We're going to do some reading to start this pod. So I'm going to put on the, uh, the monotone extra and give you some reading. Quote, I think it's highly recorded now. There's 150, I believe, now. It's over 100 professional athletes dead. Professional athletes, the prime of their life, dropping dead that are vaccinated. Right on the pitch, right on the field, right on the court. Wide's words of Hall of Fame MAGA point guard, John Stockton. <laughs> Oh, man, that pandemic got that man talking all of his truth. He's talking every ounce of his truth. Now that he's able to just be out here in the wind, he's been empowered by you know who and everything that goes around that. And the momentum's carried now. He's out here literally wowing. Like we talked about Kyrie and his conspiracies. We've talked about other athletes, Bradley Beal. There's been a lot of heat on current NBA players and their wild theories. But here's Maga Stockton. I hear professional athletes, a hundred, have dropped dead. Now, I'll be on Twitter heavy. That's my newspaper. I haven't seen anything about a hundred professional athletes dropping dead. Have any of y'all heard about a hundred? It's not like he said a couple or a few. He's dropping stats like he's the CDC. A hundred. Out of 150, drop dead. MAGA Stockton, he's out there in Utah killing it. And if you see what Utah is doing, you see who they brought back. You see, you see who they brought back home. The one and the only. Come on, them there. Danny Ainge back in the Utah Jazz organization. So not only do we have Carl Malone, rapist that he is. Now we have MAGA Stockton living his truth. We saw how Jeff Hornacek flamed out here in New York. But now we have Danny Ainge. Come on, them there. The ultimate Mormon. He snuck his way back in. Come on, them there. After running off on the Celtics, after tricking off nine, eight, nine lottery picks on the roster and can't even get to one finals. All them first round picks that he fleeced the Nets for and Philly. Couldn't get to one finals. Walked away in shame, only to pop up in Utah. Ain't D Wade out there? He let the scammer in the office. Come on, them there. D Wade just just trying to cash out though, right? I, th- I think D Wade has almost said it publicly. 
that he's literally just like, he just wanted to own a part of a team to flip for the next team. But damn, dog, Utah? Utah, though. Oof. I thought maybe they were trying to lure in D-Wade to maybe try to get Spider Mitchell to stay. I don't know if even D-Wade could pull that off. I don't know if Flash got that one in him. But, I mean, when you look at it, Scamadamdea. Scamadamdea. Now we have Maga Stockton, who's trying to get back around the organization. So, I mean, that's going to be a thing. What happens when Maga Stockton pull up? What's going to happen when Maga Stockton pulls up? Yikes. Scary hours in Utah. Off top, though, I know everyone wants to talk about the, uh, the NFL games that happened this weekend. There's definitely a lot to get into with a couple of the games. I don't think all the games were that great. Matter of fact, a lot of the NFL this whole season has been kind of low quality. You know, there's a huge gap in parity in terms of efficiency. There's not a huge gap in terms of records in parity. There's a huge gap to me in terms of efficiency and effectiveness in terms of execution of offense and especially defense. And that was on full display this weekend. So we will get to that. I know there's been a lot of push to talk about what LeBron is doing out here. There's a lot of push to talk about what Rusty isn't doing out here. And we will get to some of that. But off top, though, I think I have to speak to something that I've been talking a lot on. I've been talking a lot about when I go on radio shows and do hits. Are the Memphis Grizzlies a contender? And I think the answer you have to admit right now is yes. This is a team that went from the playing to now where they're hovering around the three, four seed and they're beating teams and they're beating bad teams and they're beating good teams and they're beating teams on the road. You know, I looked this up. They're the second youngest team in the league. Second youngest team in the league. They got dudes that hooped with Bronny and D. Wade's son. That's how young this squad is. Dudes from Sierra Canyon on this roster. That's how young they are. And they're kicking ass in the West. And do I think they could beat the Dubs if the Dubs are right? No. Do I think they could beat the Suns with the point fraud and D-Book? And the real CP, Cameron Payne, if they're healthy with Aiton and everything? Probably not. But after that, like, who else? I mean, you want to give me the Clippers? Is Kawhi going to play? You want to give me the Mavericks? I mean, they're playing better defense. But, I mean, Lucas never been off the first round. So I got to see it. Utah? I mean, come on now. We, we, we've seen that story. Jokic? I mean, he can only do so much. You hope we'll see what Jamal Murray looks like when he comes back. MPJ, we'll see what he looks like if he's able to come back. And then that's going to take some adjustment. So I don't know if Denver's in that mix. Like, I don't know who the third best team in the West is if it ain't Memphis. I'll give you Phoenix. And I'll give you the dubs. Lake Show. With AD back and whatever moves LeBron, the GM, is able to do at the tread deadline or the buyout market, I don't know. Memphis has already laid them out a couple times. So it's it's looking like the Grizzlies are the third best team in the West. And nobody had that. 
I thought they would be improved just because they had Jaron Jackson Jr. back, Triple J back in a full-time capacity. He was finally healthy. So you just pair him with Ja. If they both remain on the court, they're both top 15 in terms of players under 25, in my opinion. So, I mean, yeah, they should be better than what they were last year or the year before where they were playing. But third in the West? I didn't see that. And I don't know too many people who know ball who had that either. So they are sneaking up on people, and it's not just defense. They have the moniker of the grindhouse, and, you know, that that's the, that's the linchpin. That's the culture. Not like that heat culture bullshit. That's the real culture in Memphis is we grind you out, dog. Pause. We play defense. And they're playing defense, but goddamn, they're top 10 in offensive rating too. They're top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating. So this, these are your new Grizz. And they want to put Ja in the MVP conversation. Dog, they played well even when Ja was out for about 10, 11 games. The Grizz are just going out here, and I don't know if they're sneaking up on teams a la Knicks tape last year. I don't think it's that because I think that this team is more talented and is better coached than Knicks tape last year when they just outworked team and out, you know, hard worked teams. And uh, y'all see that crash landing back to earth, right? I don't want to say I told you so, but right. So the Grizzlies, though, this is a for real team. And I went on the homie Greg Larner show. Uh, the word with G ESPN radio out there in Tennessee. Uh, and, and we talked about that. And when we previewed the NBA, I said, look, the Grizz can make it to the second round of the playoffs. I wasn't bullshitting. I said, look, I, the grid, the way the West laid out to me, because to me, the West is down. And when, when we're looking at it now, the West really is down. And that was before the Lake show has tanked and plummeted. This is before Utah finally got hit with the Rona bug and had to have Rudy out, and they look shaky. This is with the Clippers not having Kawhi, PG having issues, and just having a mishmash unit. So the West really is just about can the real CP and D-Book carry the point fraud along with DeAndre Ayton? Can they carry the point fraud to the finals again? Are the dubs with a healthy clay and a healthy habitual nut hitter going to reclaim their Western supremacy? But who you got? When you got John Morant, Desmond Bain, he's hurt. But I mean, Desmond Bain has been out here cooking, cooking, stretching the floor. Dylan Brooks, undersized guard, but dog, he, I mean, I, I think that's where he's a dog. He's a, he's a, he's a dog. When you look at the dogs they got in Memphis, when you look at Ja, Triple J, Steven Adams has been a huge flipping Valanchunas for Steven Adams was such a slick move. It didn't make any real headway, no big headlines. The blue check boys didn't jump out the window going crazy, but it was the perfect flip. Valanchunas is more of a finesse guy at this point in his career. He'll back you down if you're too smaller than him. But in terms of banging with the real bigs, he ain't trying to do that no more. Not at this point in his career. Whereas Steven Adams... That's all he is. <laughs> that, that's, he's just made to just bang in the paint. He's perfect for that Memphis culture. Perfect move. Perfect flip. So you put Ja, Dylan Brooks, Triple J, 
Steven Adams, and then you have a bunch of guys kind of filling in at that wing spot. Memphis is for real. I mean, I'm, I'm not jumping out the window, but it's a real good chance if things break right, if they get the right matchup. I mean, if you put them against Phoenix, I think that's a long day for Phoenix. And I know how I feel about D-Book. That's, that's, that's a long day. That's a long day. Because you think the point fraud is going to stop Ja? Now, Dylan Brooks will take on a lot in that series. He's going to have to, they're going to pair him on D-Book or point fraud. He's going to make it hard for them. Pause. But then you got Triple J. Who supposed to guard him? Bossman 99? DeAndre Ayton? Too slow. Memphis will cause you some matchup problems. There's some matchup problems in Memphis. For sure. Now the dubs, I mean, Ja can expose the fortune two-time MVP with trash-ass ankles. He can expose his defensive liability. But it remains to be seen, can they stop him on the other end four out of seven times? But I got more confidence in them being Phoenix four out of seven than the Dubs four out of seven. Memphis is for real. So Daryl Morey is really going full. He's doing press runs. And he's copping pleas for why he hasn't made a move for Ben yet. And it's becoming quite annoying, actually. I know it's fodder. It floods the timeline. It gets aggregated all over the place. But it's really becoming annoying because it's becoming quite clear why he's doing what he's doing. Like, it's not even T anymore in terms of what his game plan is. It's out in the open. If you've been paying attention since the summer, it's been out in the open. But, you know, fandom gets in the way. You're hoping, you're wishing upon a star. But now it has to be quite clear to you, as it was to me in the summer, Manch is just hoping he can hold out and fleece someone at the deadline. And I hope, much like there was a concerted effort to stop the Lake Show from getting Anthony Davis, I hope that there is a concerted effort amongst other league execs that forbid Daryl Morey to fleece another team for Ben Simmons. I hope the league comes down. I hope Adam Silver comes down off his perch and stops it, much like David Stern, and you know, it's always fuck David Stern on this side, much like David Stern did when they tried to get the point fraud to, to the Lake Show to hook up with Kobe. I hope they keep the same energy, and they, as in they, you know who they is. Blue Chick Boys, Fanboys, Shills. I hope they keep the same energy in imploring the league to step in, imploring the commission to come down and make a ruling just like they did when Anthony Davis was a thought to be traded and traded in a lopsided deal, allegedly, to the Lake Show. Because that's all Daryl Moore is trying to do. He's trying to get the world for Ben Simmons. He has no leverage. The man has no leverage. Yet he thinks if I just wait long enough, someone's going to blink. You're wasting Joel. You're wasting him. We're going to talk about Embiid for MVP and all that's cool. All of that is cool and it's fair. But it don't mean shit 
if he don't flip Ben. And I tweeted this out, but it remains true. You could have had four shooters surrounding Joel if you would have just did your job in the summer and moved Ben. It was clear he didn't want to come back. It was clear when Doc threw him under the bus in the playoffs and Joel co-signed that it was a wrap for the man to be there. But no. Well, Scamadum Dea. Danny Ainge was able to go get KG for nothing, but he did that because his mans worked for the other team. Kevin McHale was the VP or whatever trumped up title basketball of operations for the Timberwolves, and he gift-wrapped KG to the Celtics. This ain't that. Maury's mans is in Portland? No. So how are you going to get Dane for the low? Sacramento's been sitting there since the summer dangling shooters for you. While Joel is out here and they're collapsing in the paint, being triple teamed every night, they've got shooters chilling in Sacramento that are waiting to be flipped. But you want more. Maury wants more. Maury thinks he could get three all-stars for Ben Simmons. What's the problem with Buddy Heald, Bagley, and some pieces? You get another shooter and you get a backup big that can eat up some minutes. And you know what? Because he's finally out of Sacramento and getting some real run, he might be more than just a backup big. He might be able to give you a little twin tower action. He might be able to show the promise that made him a hot pick a few years ago. But until you do the deal, what are we talking about? Making the round, saying how, well, you know, we, we're, we're looking at getting less for Ben now because Joel's playing so good. So wait a minute. Let's look at this from a market standpoint. You realize that Joel Embiid, who's your best player? He was your best player last year. He's your best player this year. You somehow have just now come to the realization that he's better. Or he's so dominant now that you might actually could win a chip. He didn't realize that last year. He didn't know. Ain't that why he lied to Houston to get out of that job in the first place to come take this job? Ain't that why he did that? Ain't that why he lied and said he wanted to spend more time with his family? And then a week later, he was in Philly holding a press conference. The man who's supposed to be a genius, a mad genius. He's not a boy genius like Brad Stevens. He's a mad genius. The mad genius who is thought to be another one that's supposed to be God's gift to basketball, especially analytical basketball, couldn't realize that a 7-2 Cameroonian who's been a beast whenever he's healthy and in shape, is good enough to maybe get you to a finals? He didn't realize that until just now, that he's got to lower the price for Ben? Y'all, please tell me y'all didn't believe that. That That's all I hope. I just hope after listening to this pod, however long you've been listening, that you see through bullshit like that. Those words are hollow. Those words are empty. He is trying to protect his position. He wants you have to make yourself assume like, 
I'm ahead of the game. Oh, yeah, we haven't traded Ben yet. We had to lower the price a little bit, but it's only because I realized how great Joel is. Understand the lunacy in that statement. I'm going to lower the price for something that's low anyway. You have no leverage. You have no leverage. Y'all planted stories about him being broke. Y'all thought y'all could shame him into coming back and playing. After he schooled you about playing the mental health card and actually getting some public sympathy. Even had Toby running back his comments from the summer and cleaning it up in the beginning of the season. They planted stories about this man all the time. They're leaking footage from practices. They're leaking reports, anonymous reports from practices. Tried to say the man was broke just to force him to put the public pressure on him for him to cave, to come play. So then you could trade him. Now, if we're to believe that this, 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 this player suffers from some sort of actual legitimate mental health, how do you think that's going for his mental health? Let's play that angle. Let's assume Ben actually is not in the most sound place from, from a mental health perspective. How do you think having stories about him being allegedly broke, being leaked by his own front office, makes him feel about those mental health issues? It makes him feel about entrusting that front office to come back and report and hoping that they can facilitate a deal that will please the two of them. How do you think Ben would feel? Now, I think both sides are lying. Just like A.B. and Bruce Arians, both sides are lying, but they're lying to get their points off. And right now, Ben is winning because he has what? F.U. money, to quote the title of the last episode. Having that F.U. money leaves in a position like, yo, dogs, I ain't playing. Call me, bro. I'm out here. I'm buying engagement rings. I'm selling my crib in Philly and getting M's for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm broke, dog. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just go ahead and send me to Sacramento, bro. Go ahead and send me to Dallas, bro. Go ahead and get it over with. Now, the Dallas one, I don't know if I would like that deal. If you, if you, oh, 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 wait. Some of y'all might not know about that. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Porzingis? No? Doesn't do it for you. Hey, man, I, I go right over to Sacramento, dog. And especially now, allegedly, if you believe the fact that you might be, you might be able to swap buddy for De'Aaron now again De'Aaron's not a shooter so I don't know if I like that and you already kind of have Fox and Maxi to a way lesser degree but I mean sufficient enough to get by so I would still like buddy even if they're giving me De'Aaron I would say I want buddy I want the shooter it's going to take some humbling for the Sixers to move on for Ben Simmons and it's actually going to take humbling from Daryl Morey, who refuses to humble himself because he can't. Because you can't be the god of analytic basketball and humble yourself by moving on from a player with such alleged high value. And Ben Simmons, you had that value in the summer. You had that value two summers ago when Doc and Joel signed off on trading Ben.
Now, different regime, but still. Ben's leverage is only going to go down each day he's in Philly. So the question to wrap all of this up is, when will Maury cave? What happens if he don't move him at the deadline? What happens if he can't get what he wants at the deadline? I mean, if I'm Sacramento, I'm at the deadline. Sixers are still doing good. Joel's still killing. I'm like, yo, dogs, I'm only giving you buddy. I ain't even going to give you Bagley. I'm going to go flip Bagley somewhere else and get some more chips that way. Trade chips, future assets, whatever. I'm not just going to take Ben. I'm Ben for buddy straight up. Your leverage isn't what you think it is. He's going to have to work in a third team if he wants to fleece for Ben. There's no straight up trades that I think legitimately exist where he fleeces someone. Now, in a third team, there's some contracts you can move around. There's some future assets you can move around where you can might collect some stuff on the back end that might make it look like a fleece. But a straight up two for one type of deal? No, no, ain't no fleecing, dog. Ain't no fleecing. When will Daryl Morey cave? I went through my mentions um, a few days ago, was, was looking up some stuff for some research purposes. And, uh, man, y'all were really throwing point fraud stats at me and just anything superlative about the point fraud, every chance y'all got last year. And, uh, you know, obviously I won in the end, and the basketball gods came down and did what they do, and uh, I took his ass to church. And uh, I I just want to let y'all know that as of right now, y'all point fraud. The man with all the State Farm commercials and the Q rating and the Netflix documentaries and the finger on the pulse of the MBPA. He's got less all-star votes than Russi. <laughs> A man who has hit the backboard on jumpers more than Paul George. On a more routine basis than PG-13, Russie has more all-star votes than y'all alleged point god to point fraud. So y'all learned y'all lesson in the finals, even though I kept trying to tell y'all, don't worry about it. It's going to happen because it always happens. And then it actually happened. And then it was crickets on my timeline. Now here's the fallout. Here's the aftermath of this man choking on a big spot. Getting exposed again for being who I said he was. Now he can't even get more all-star votes than Russi. (laughs) But anywho, so the man who brought him there, LeBron. Question. Worst GM. LeBron or Jordan? I mean that. that. That's a real question. Worst general manager. Worst builder of a roster. Braun or MJ? Because we kill MJ. Still, though, even though he fell into LaMelo and he was, I, look, I don't know if I'm going to give him credit for Bug Knight. Even though, for some reason, they couldn't find a roster spot for Bug Knight until, you know, a month into the season. But he's got a backcourt for the future. 
the Hornets have better long-term prospects than the Lake Show does. Braun, the GM. I tried to give this roster a chance. I tried to give the roster the benefit of the doubt. There's, there's a lot of vets here. They actually did go out and find shooting. Everyone kept talking, what about the shooting? What about the shooting? And then they went out and got Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington. They got some shooters. The main issue is, is that what Frank Vogel was able to get done a couple years ago or in the bubble season, that shit ain't working no more, bro. You don't have the hybrid bigs. They have chopped off their hybrid bigs for traditional bigs, and it hasn't worked. Yes, they had JaVale. Yes, they had Dwight, but they also had Mars Twin. They also had Kuzma. They had hybrid bigs that could give you something and give you some roster or spacing flexibility. All those guys are gone. You could even say KCP, to a certain degree, could help fill in that role, and he's gone. And they haven't really replaced that. Malink Monk is not that. Wayne Ellington is not that. Melo, even though I love him, my man, my Melo Carmelo, he's not that at this point in his career. They don't have the hybrid bigs, the big wings. They don't have that in the Lake Show that helps space the lineup. More pressure is being put on LeBron. And LeBron, the GM, built this roster for LeBron, the player, when it should have been built for Anthony Davis. And yeah, it could give me the non-stops about how he's hurt, injury prone, whatever, whatever. Y'all know what it is when the man is out there. And as long as the man is out there when playoff time come, come talk shit then. Y'all saw what happened in the bubble. LeBron, the GM, we've seen him trick this off before. If you remember in Cleveland, after they got that chip, they brought in IT3, got Kyrie up out of there. They had to basically get rid of eight dudes and bring in a whole nother eight dudes just so LeBron could have a chance at the playoffs. Because he figured wrong. He tried to big bro Kung Fu Kyrie, and he got up out of there. He wanted no parts of it. He already got a daddy. He'll need a second one in Bron. That's Bronnie's. So we've seen him mess this up before, and they tried. The Lake Show, you see Palinka trying. They got Rondo up out of there, free up a roster spot. Stanley Johnson on the 10-day. They keep re-upping, on, re-upping him on 10 days. They're probably going to try to find a way to sign him for the remainder of the season. They're trying to find bodies. But even if you look at Stanley Johnson, he's not that hybrid wing big. He's not Morris Twin. He's not Kuzma. He's more of a KCP, maybe a little bigger, but he's more of a KCP mold. Who's going to be that hybrid big? Who's going to be Morris Twin and Kuzma on this roster? As much as, you know, Braun doesn't want to admit it, they needed Kuzma. As much as he was an enigma, as much as, you know, he was loathed by Laker fans and Laker haters alike, he brought something. And you see him in Washington. I mean, he's still being erratic at times, but when he's cooking, he's he's giving numbers he never put up in L.A. because he's getting the opportunity. So who's going to be that? Who's going to be out there? Who's going to be available at the deadline or the buyout market for LeBron to go scoop up and bring him into the fold? Because without that, without a Morris twin Kuzma, and they're going to need more than one. So they're going to need a Kuzma and a Morris twin type because they can't play DeAndre. DeAndre's done. He's been washed. I mean, Steve Nash basically admitted that DeAndre was washed last year. And then the Lake Show went and brought him in. Braun the GM. So, I mean, look, LeBron's putting up nice numbers, but they're empty stats to me. They can't beat Orlando. They can't beat the Heat. 
I mean, look, they're, they're out here just kind of just, they are their record. They're a game or two over or under 500. That's who they are. And if Braun is still Braun, they would not be that. So you have a diminished Braun. I know Braun likes to buy into the fact that he's, he's much smarter now, more efficient now than younger Braun. All that shit is cool, bro. Problem is, when your team is not as good as you thought they were, and you have to go into takeover mode to save them from losing games that you thought they shouldn't, it's much easier to do that with 27-year-old Braun than 37, 38-year-old Braun. So, I mean, year 19, I don't care how many hyperbolic chambers that man got, that body beating up, Jack. That body's beating up. You're getting old, bro. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Father Tom's undefeated. Those stats look nice. He can collect in the mass all them points all he wants. He's compiling right now. The numbers don't mean shit to me. You can send me the stat lines every night. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It don't matter. It don't matter because that 39-8 and eight would have been a dub in Cleveland. <laughs> it would have been a dub in Cleveland because the sheer athleticism combined with those numbers was enough. Now you're doing it with Guile. You're doing it with Moxie. You're doing it hanging out at the three-point line. Like, okay, sure. And you can manipulate the stats. Oh, LeBron's playing the five, and if you look at his numbers, he'd be the best, the best five in the league. Okay, let me see him go guard Embiid. Let me see him even go guard Jokic. Hold them in the paint for a whole game. Go do that .5, that point center shit when you play against a real center. Then tell me how LeBron statistically, analytically, is the best five. And yeah, okay, okay. Four out of seven games, go lock up Embiid. Go lock up Embiid, and then come talk to me about how LeBron is is now he's now he's one of the goats at the five. Okay, y'all just believe anything. This pod basically is me just asking y'all a bunch of questions. So please feel free to hit me up on Twitter uh, at the Sam D T H E E S A M D and answer these questions because I, I really just, you know, I, I really want to know. I, I want the feedback from y'all. So will we ever see the Nets at full strength? And here's a spicy follow-up to that. Was KD's injury a result of Kyrie's anti-vax stance? I mean, KD played a lot of minutes, bro. <laughs> he was playing a lot of minutes. And look, we know KD's a hooper's hooper. He wants to play every minute regardless. But, I mean, if Kyrie's there and they're playing, even with the beard, like they're probably not in a lot of close games on nights where they're on, where they're facing bad teams, right? He probably doesn't have to play 40 minutes against the Pistons, right? So he gets to rest, maybe play 28 minutes. That 12 minutes might have mattered in preventing an injury. So did Kyrie's anti-vax stance cost the Nets six to eight weeks of Kevin Durant? To me, that's a real question. Because now it's like, now we got to wait for KD to get back. We got Kyrie on part-time. And we got the beard who, you know, quiet is kept. There was a lot of talk the first couple of weeks about how the league and the officials were cutting down on, you know, the moves done by Harden and, ice tray and all of that. And if you look at the numbers, those numbers aren't that different from last year and the year before. Harden's still getting to the line about eight times, eight times a night. Now it was, it was scary. I was early in the year, but 
shit, like since mid-December, mid-December to now, I mean, the beard's been out here. The beard's been looking more like the beard way more over the last, like I would say, four to five weeks than he was before that for the first two, three weeks of the season. So you're getting good beard. When Kyrie is able to play on the road, he's looking like Kyrie. But now we got no Slim Reaper. So now what? In six to eight weeks, or what? He's been hurt for about two weeks now. In four to six weeks, that's post-All-Star break. What are the Nets going to look like? We can't really judge what the Nets are until he gets back into a rhythm. You hope the beard is still in peak condition. And Kyrie on part-time, you just got to hope nothing crazy happens between games when he's not playing. So is this just going to be another lost year for Brooklyn? And what does that mean for the future of these Nets? Harden's out here. He could be a free agent. And, you know, you <laughs> another one with Maury. Oh, Philly's in on the beard. Maury would love to reunite with James Harden. How you going to do that, bro? How you going to do that? You think the Nets, who are going to have a part-time Kyrie, a KD coming off an injury, are going to give up the beard for less scoring? What, you think Ben's going to come in there and the, and the Nets going to start winning games in the 80s? First team to 80 wins? Will we ever see the Nets at full strength? Hey, if any of y'all had some underdog parlays on them NFL games, holla at me. Y'all came up. Y'all came up. I don't know too many people who did. I don't know too many people who had 49er Bengals parlays, but if y'all did, holla at me because y'all, y'all, y'all came up. Y'all came up crazy off the books. Um, yo, it was exciting football. I still don't know if it was good football. And I'll explain. So, obviously, Bill's Chiefs stole the weekend, right? I mean, basically, Sunday's games stole the weekend because Rams and Bucks. Crazy ending. Looked like it was going to be a coast to a blowout. Rams start tricking it off. Bucks come back. Bucks have a chance. Trick that off. And the Rams hang on for life. We get to the Bills, Chiefs, game of the weekend. Depending when, when you jumped in, you either got, got the line at two and a half or one and a half. So the Vegas is telling you it's going to be a close game. And for a while there, it looked like it might not be. And then things got hot late. Huge TD swings, huge momentum swings, huge scoring drives, big plays, running up and down the field, no defense played whatsoever, especially secondary play, horrific secondary play, horrific tackling. And that's why to me it's like, eh, exciting football, but not good football. Tyrone Matthew goes out, Honey Badger goes out, and all of a sudden the Kansas City secondary doesn't know what the fuck to do. They don't know what to do in cover three, cover zero. They don't know what to do in any type of alignment. Gabriel Davis. Son, Gabriel Davis. Running wild, running free. Wiz and Snoop at Arrowhead. I couldn't believe it. Four of them things. Not even Jerry Rice, son. Four of them things for Gabriel Davis. They got mossed by Gabriel Davis. Can't blame Sorensen for that one. He ain't give him up. 
You can't give him up. Can't kill him. I know y'all want to kill him, but you can't kill him. Honey Badger, that important that no one else could play in that secondary? Man, damn. If his contract is up, psh, I'm playing that tape on a loop in my contract negotiations. Yeah, look at Gabriel Davis running wild. I want all the monies. I don't want no NFL type contract. I want an NBA contract. I want guaranteed bread. Guaranteed bread. Look at that gaping holes in the secondary just because I ain't even in there. But exciting football, but not good football. And look, Saturday, I think, was the epitome of that. I mean, dog, if you would have told me that the Bengals would have scored under what? Under 20? And give up nine sacks? And still would beat the Titans on the road? I wouldn't have believed you. I would not have believed you. Under 20 for that offense. And nine sacks on Joe Burrow? And they still get the dub on the road against a number one seed off a bye? And Derrick Henry coming back? I wouldn't have believed you. I would not. And now, here's another question for you. Assuming things go status quo and the Chiefs take care of the Bengals, going forward, could you question taking Jamar Chase over offensive linemen like was the whole debate in the draft anyway? Now, obviously, you're probably not in the playoffs without Jamar Chase. But with they still had other weapons, not a Jamar Chase type weapon, but they still had other weapons at receiver. They got a solid tight end in the Zuma, and they got Joe Mixon, who's a top 10 back. If you give them a stud left or right tackle, I mean, you ain't giving up nine sacks. But then again, devil's advocate, you might not be in the playoffs either. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They're going to have to get some offensive linemen in there because you cannot be giving up nine sacks and expect to win on the road against the number one seed ever again. That might be the one out of 100 Chances where that scenario will play out and you actually win. And your man's A-Raj. A, I don't have fandom left, but I do get a sense of joy. And, and I, did tweet, I did tweet this out. I do get a sense of joy to continuously watch the Green Bay Packer franchise trick off wins. It is just, it still resonates not the fandom for the Bears, fuck that franchise. But as much as it's fuck that franchise, it's a hundred times more fuck Green Bay. And to see them trick opportunity after opportunity off, bye week after bye week off, home field advantage, tricking off having one of the greatest QBs to ever play the game, watching them just spit the bit every single chance they get, it does do something to me. It does. It does. I, I won't hold you. It, it's, it's, and again, I don't have this vitriol for the Lions because it's the Lions. I don't have this vitriol for the Vikings because the Vikings came crashing back to earth once they got rid of Dante Culpepper. But watching the majority of my lifetime, the majority, not all of it, but the majority of my lifetime being dominated by Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, but to see them only have two chips, two chips, and with Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably the greatest of them all from a quarterback perspective, to see him most likely leave Green Bay with only one ring, it does, it does make me feel away. In like a good way, 
not, not, not a bad way. It makes me feel not warm and fuzzy, pause, but it gives me a sense of satisfaction and relief. Satisfaction and relief to know that they had all of that and they've been let down every single time except once. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, 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 it's hilarious to see that go on and on and on. Um, but now, now what? Because, I mean, I didn't see enough of Jordan Love. I know he got that start at the end, and, and he didn't look good there. I mean, who, who going to take him? Who going to take Aaron Rodgers? I know people think it's just a plug-and-play thing. Like, go get Aaron Rodgers, and immediately is going to be ridiculous. And he may do it, and it may work that way. But it very possibly could be a Favre in Minnesota type thing, where Favre was good that first year. But after that, I mean, eh, it was kind of all she wrote. Now, we would like to think Rodgers has kept himself in better physical physical condition than uh, Favre. But, I mean, who knows? With him taking horse tranquilizer to cure the Vax, I mean, instead of the Vax, I mean, who knows? Who knows? The more he hangs out with Rogan, he might be start eating elk meat. Uh, might start hanging out in a float tank. Uh, he already does, like, pilgrimage to hang out with Tibetan monks and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is just this is just a continuation of him living his truth. So, I don't know what condition, mentally or physically, you're going to get in a couple of years. Every franchise is going to be out there. Pittsburgh is going to be out there. If, if you're a, quote, quarterback away, you have to see what's up. You have to. It was thought to be the Raiders, but after what Derek Carr showed you, I mean... Are you willing to just move him and just go give him the bag? Go give Aaron Rodgers the bag to make him come down there? Are you that close? If you're the Raiders, are you and Aaron Rodgers away from winning the chip? I don't think so. I've seen that defense too many times. The Raiders are not an Aaron Rodgers away. So who is actually an Aaron Rodgers away from winning the chip? Steelers think they're in the mix. They think they're in the mix. Colts think they're in the mix. Who is actually an Aaron Rodgers away? I don't have the answer to that, to be quite honest. I could say the Titans. You give Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Brown, I'm assuming Julio has enough left to be a, a second receiver. And if not, Aaron Rodgers has made, he's made MVS. He's made, you know, uh, he's made a bunch of no names. You know, he might get Randall Cobb to pull up in Tennessee. I mean, who knows? So, I mean, who isn't Aaron Rodgers away, I think, is the main question. We can clown him, and he deserves to be slandered, but, I mean, people have already done that, so I'm, I'm good off that. Y'all know I've already been roasting Sun on here. But who isn't Aaron Rodgers away? If the Dolphins are sticking to their guns from their public persona, and we'll, we'll get to them in a little bit, if the Dolphins are sticking to their persona that they're out on Deshaun Watson now, and that was purely a Brian Flores thing. Are the Dolphins and Aaron Rodgers away from being in the mix? And when I say in the mix, I mean, like, you can actually win the Super Bowl. Not just, oh, we'll make the playoffs and maybe go to the second round. No, 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 no. You go get Aaron Rodgers, you're telling me you're going to win the Super Bowl. So who is an Aaron Rodgers away from winning the Super Bowl? There's a lot of teams who think they're in that mix, but how many are actually 
are Aaron Rodgers away from winning a Super Bowl. So I mentioned the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are interesting because they got rid of Brian Flores. They took a lot of heat for it. Brooklyn's own Brian Flores, by the way. Brownsville. Um, I wonder if Billy Dance knows. Hey, anyway. Um, so, you know, the Dolphins came under a lot of heat. The media, the blue check boys, even some fanboys were applying pressure to the Dolphins. Like, yo, optically, this shit looks bad. You know, when, when you look at the roster that he inherited and the success that he was able to pull out of that roster, the fact that Tua has been injured in both seasons and you've only really seen glimpses of what he potentially could be, the fact that the weapons aren't as... He doesn't have weapons like the other young QBs have. He doesn't have Justin Herbert's weapons. He doesn't have Joe Burrow's weapons. He doesn't have Josh Allen's weapons. So how can you judge Tua off of, you know, so there's a lot of narratives that went into, well, why did you fire Brian Flores? And the Dolphins had to pivot, and they decided not to take any more shit, and they just basically put a smear campaign on Brian Flores. They called him power hungry. They called him a Belichick disciple, which is not looked upon as a good thing when it comes to success as a head coach on that coaching tree. They really tried to blaspheme Brian Flores to try to paint him in very negative light. Doesn't get along with people in the building. Uh, allegedly, he didn't talk to coordinators over the second half of the year, like at all. Like at all. He did not talk to his coordinators. All these narratives came out not only after he got fired, but after they took heat as an organization for potentially firing him for nefarious ways. So they cover themselves and they use the media. They use the blue check boys to do that. And your man Schefter was out here playing both sides. And it's going to come to the point where, yo, dogs, do we really need information from man's? After all the shit that, that's been exposed about him this past year, especially. Is he still worth the follow? When we know when he tweets something out, Rappaport's going to have it within seconds of him having it, because again, they're all getting the same info from the same people. There's no actual insiders. There's no exclusivity. You can get the same info from Rappaport. You can get the same info from Jay Glazer. You can bounce around Twitter and find dudes that have similar links. So it's going to come to the point where it's like, oh man, is, is he even worth investing my time in the follow? When literally, if you have, you know, I, I use TweetDeck when I'm on my laptop or on my desktop. And literally, when he tweets out a report, right, like the next tweet is always Rappaport. It's always Glazer. It's always the same guys. Because they're all getting texts from the same people. Whether it's front office people, scouts, team managers, or agents. Schefter went out here and was talking about how during the season, the Dolphins front office was pushing for the Deshaun Watson deal for the Dolphins to be all in on getting Deshaun Watson more or less by any means. Now that Brian Flores was out, now Schefter is saying, oh no, it was actually Brian Flores who wanted Deshaun Watson over Tua, the front office just went along with it. 
I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that unless you admit, yo, my earlier tea was bad tea, which he never did. He never admitted that. He just gave you two sets of teas from two sides of the story, and y'all took it and ran with it and retweeted it and aggregated it. So it's like, what are we doing here? It's clear what teams are doing. It's clear what organizations are doing. The Dolphins ran a smear campaign on Brian Flores. And to some people that worked. Some people said, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, who is this guy? He thinks he's Belichick. Well, did you think that before? Did you keep that same energy when he was winning 10 games with a roster that's not that good when you parse it? When you break down that Dolphins roster, there's not a lot of talent there. It took them half the year to figure out what to do with Waddle. Half the year for them to figure out what the hell to do with Waddle. They had multiple offensive coordinators. And Flores couldn't tell you who was the actual one doing the play calls. He couldn't tell you. So that organization is a mess. But now they're saying they don't want Watson, that they're all in on Tua. Because the fan base is really heavy behind Tua. By and large, there's some detractors, but by and large, that fan base is heavy into giving Tua an opportunity. But now here's the plot twist. There's T that allegedly Flores and Watson are so enamored with being together as a QB coach combo that they're willing to make it a package deal. So now Flores essentially could go wherever he wants. And he can pitch in meetings when he goes on these job interviews that are hopefully not just to fulfill the Rooney rule. That, yo, you hire me, Deshaun will follow me wherever I go. That's a hell of a bargaining chip. That's a hell of a leverage angle. That's leverage, Del Mori. That's actual leverage. To be able to say, yo, if you hire me, you're also getting Deshaun Watson you're getting a potential top five QB if he's not there already. Worst case scenario, he's top 10. You hire me, I'm bringing my defensive philosophy, which was good at times when I had the horses to run my system, which is, yes, very much akin to the Belichick system. And you're getting a top 10 at his peak top five QB still in his prime. Who's saying no to that? And that's why the Giants are sniffing around. Because <laughs> as much as the, the, the Giants organization and the Giants family might have some issues with uh, the looks of Deshaun Watson, excuse me, the hue of Deshaun Watson, uh, yeah, they have finally realized it took, some, it took some teeth pulling, but they finally realized that, you know, Gettleman and Joe Judge ain't it, and what are we going to do? But they just hired the GM, right? They hired the Bills GM. I don't know what the Bills GM's relationship is with Brian Flores, but, I mean, you have to listen. If he dangles that carrot out there and you can get out from the, the horrific, uh, if he dangles that carrot out there and he's laying the land saying, yo, dogs, it's not only me coming, it's Deshaun Watson coming. If you're the Giants, you got to listen. If you're any organization worth for them, you got to listen. And then, yes, there's some obviously off-the-field shit that will come to an end at some point, good or bad. But, I mean, if Brian Flores is willing to put his name on it, 
and allegedly say, yo, it's me and Deshaun coming to whatever franchise, he has to feel that somehow Deshaun is going to skate or be relatively lightly punished in this scenario. You don't stake the future of your career on a QB who may actually be locked up or bare minimum suspended for a year or so. He must have some information, whether they give Deshaun a suspension and it's considered time served because he didn't play at all this year. I mean, there's many different scenarios where where this could play out, where Deshaun could actually be on the field next year. So, I don't know. Would you, if your team needed a coach and a QB, another question for you, the audience, hit me up on Twitter. If your team needed a QB and a coach, would you take a chance on the Brian Flores, Deshaun Watson alleged package deal? Two things before I head up out. Uh, Let me know, as you, a listener, you, the audience, would like to know if you would like some betting content from me. Uh, Remember I did that show uh, on uh, YouTube, Lion Sniper HQ. They had me on there as an analyst, and we were doing some bets, and winning some people some money, and I had a good time doing that content, got paid, and um, that was fun. Uh, We've moved on past that now, and, you know, I've kind of, now with New York, welcome New York to the betting underbelly (laughs) that is online uh, mobile betting, however you want to categorize it. I mean, dog, I've been been in this space. Remember, I had the the FanDuel pod back in the day, so, you know, I've been here in this uh, DFS fantasy gambling space. So do y'all want that type of content? That might be something I might have to do on like a Twitter spaces type uh, platform. I don't know if I could do pods of that every day, but it's something I could just open up my phone and hop on Twitter and talk some shit with y'all about some bets or potential bets or strategies or whatever. So uh, hit me up if that's something y'all would like, enjoy, whatever. I mean, it's open season now. I mean, there's people, people be, hit, be hitting me up with bets that are like wild and out there, ridiculous 13-team parlays. I'm like, dogs, I can't analyze all 13 of these dogs. You're just throwing $5 and just seeing what hits, man. Like, at some point, you got to know when to say when when it comes to parlays. But, anywho, let me know if that's something y'all would like, some uh, betting content, quick, light, not podcast-based, something on Twitter. Uh, As I've been telling y'all, I'm investing heavy and Twitter and seeing where that goes uh, in the very near future. And I will have time to do that because I left my gig. Uh, I left my main gig and I have a new gig. I have some time between now and then, but uh, my days at the old gig, uh, CBS is no longer. I left. My last day was Friday and uh, we're moving on to bigger and better things. We're going to another network. I will talk about that, uh, where that is as we get closer to the start date. I'm chilling for right now. Uh, but the fact that I was able to run off over there and get an Emmy and bounce sounds pretty dope to me. As a kid from Southside, uh, being able to go into a building like that and pull out some hardware like that and run off on the plug. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool shit. So uh, shout to everyone over there at CBS who does listen to the pod and support Uh, I've already reached out to the majority of those who I rock with over there and have my little goodbyes with them. Uh, Because now in this COVID time, shit is weird, right? You can't really have a traditional goodbye with people. So 
you're saying goodbye via text or voice note or audio message or however, FaceTime or whatever. So uh, shout out to those people. Uh, the ones I reached out to, they, they know who they are. They all what's up. Um, yeah, and, and it's a really good move for me. It's a really good move for your boy. And all this means is I'm able to have more time doing content. Uh, traveling the road was a lot. Uh, traveling to different parts of the South and dealing with all the elements of that as a young black man, that was a lot. Um, but now we won't be dealing with that as much. So from that standpoint, from a uh, mental health standpoint, that will be good. And uh, from a financial and from a career professional aspect, it's really good too. So uh, look, more content for your head tops. Uh, I know it's been erratic as of late, but my schedule was erratic. So it kind of uh, pulled me away from giving y'all the content that I want to. That will no longer be the case. So going forward, you will get more consistent pods. Uh, I will be more interactive on social media, specifically Twitter. And we're just going to keep this shit going. And I appreciate everyone who has ever listened. Uh, we are crossing a barrier probably by the time you hear the next episode. Uh, and I will announce that barrier being crossed on that episode. So I'm very proud of the numbers we've, we've been able to put up, even with sometimes an erratic schedule. So salute to y'all as always. And uh, I will holler at y'all. You know what it is. Hey, man, Twitter is going to be my thing. So if you haven't already or if you want to spread this pod to those who you know would fuck with it or you think would fuck with it, spread it. Tell them to follow me on Twitter at TheSamD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Uh, more collabs coming, more pods coming, more topics coming. Uh, really trying to be interactive and really reach out to the people and uh, get my shit off because now it's time. Uh, I'm in a good space and everything else and now it's try to try to get this back into the good space that it was in not that long ago so for the sam d podcast i am the sam d i'm out